to another episode of Motorsport with Leverage, the official Leverage Promotions podcast. I'm Adam Leverage, the founder and managing director of Leverage Promotions, and in each episode, I'll be engaging in topical and sometimes quirky discussions with drivers and key personnel from every rung of the motorsport ladder, from karting to Formula One. I'll be taking you right into the heart of the action, in pit lanes around the world at some of the highest profile motor racing events. This time we turn our focus to the 2023 European Le Mans series, but specifically the LMP3 class, as we welcome one of our RLRM sports contenders, Valdemar Eriksson. As in 2022, RLRM sport will field a two-car entry in the ELMS, and sharing the number five Ligier JSP320 LMP3 will be Denmark-born Valdemar Eriksson, the UK's Jack Manchester, and Rapid Am, James Dyson. And here now is Valdemar Eriksson. Valdemar, thank you for joining us. Of course. So, you originate from Denmark, but have been raised in the USA. How old were you when you left Denmark, and what prompted the move to California? Oh, how old was I? I think I was about three or four when I moved uh, to the States. The reason for that was uh, my dad's my dad's business. He had duties over there, so instead of him moving away, we all just uh, all just went with him to, to California. I think it was, a, it was easy because we were all quite young and have, didn't quite, quite start school yet, so it was organic transition. Being so young, I can't imagine you had many memories of Denmark at that point. For moving, no, not so much, not a lot. I think more, more, the biggest, or the vast majority of, of my childhood was uh, was in the states. So yeah, then we moved back to Denmark in two thousand, yeah, early two thousand fifteen. So tell us a bit about life growing up in California. It was normal, I think. Normal childhood it was uh, it was it was fun. Weather's weather's good over there. People are nice. Was wasn't a whole lot different to, to Denmark in many ways. I think especially at, well, at least not at that age. It's, it's quite quite similar, just normal normal school, wake up early, go to school, come home, play video games and whatnot. I think pretty, pretty basic childhood, I'd say. So school in Europe is a lot more, uh, for me at least, a lot more loose, not as strict. Okay, so returning to Denmark wasn't much of a culture shock? No, in the, I mean, a little bit. I think it always is a little bit. But yeah, it's not nothing, nothing huge, I would say. Of course, you started racing out in the US, winning karting titles in your home state of California. What sparked your interest? No, I mean, the reason why I started karting was uh, because of my dad. Uh, before I went to school, well, before I started school or preschool or whatever it's called, then uh, my dad started picked up karting and then I just went with him to the track. You know, he started to, to move on to Formula cars and then when I turned... When I turned eight, then uh, for my eighth birthday, he got me a go-kart and then it went on from there. Did you start karting fully intending on forging a career as a racing driver, or did it become serious a bit later? I think, yeah. Well, from a young age, I always wanted to, you know, be a race car driver. Of course, F1 was, was the goal for, I think, every kid every kid who drives. But uh, I think, yeah, that was, uh, that was the idea from very, from very early on. That's what I, and that's what I wanted to do for, for a living and to do for many years a couple of months and uh, I went to my first race and then I yeah, took it from there and started racing until until present day it was quite natural I always would like to compete 
uh, against other people, and then you know when you, when you win your first race and first podium, then you you know you can't really stop, can you? So also yeah, I think it came natural. I think I had some for some talent, of course, but I think it's uh, more to the hard work. I was always very like scared of of karting when I was younger, but I liked it. Like it something scared me driving the kart, and then you know the more I got into it, and you know the, the, the least the least the less scared you get. Was it the speed that scared you, or something else? The sound scared me a lot when I was younger. It's funny because I used to race carts myself, and there was one instance when the throttle jammed open, and it was really the sound that freaked me out the most. Because being a two-stroke, it absolutely screamed. I couldn't get out of the cart quickly enough, and it's yeah. fair to say it took me quite a while to trust it again. So I actually understand what you're talking about. Yeah, I think you're eight, seven, or eight years older, and it's. The sound plays a, plays a big part. Yeah, absolutely is. So, as a child growing up, were you attending races as a fan? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you grew up in California, right? Then you had Sonoma, which was quite close, and there you had you had IndyCar, you had uh, NASCAR, um, Rally World Challenge at the time. So, there was a lot of a lot of racing I went to just, to just as a spectator and also watched my, my dad race some stuff also. So, a lot of spectating across tracks in America. I'm interested to know a little more about your dad's racing activities. Yeah. Oh, so my dad, he did, uh, he did karting, he did road tax. I think he started when he was uh, 30, yeah, 37, around there. So quite a late age to, to be in karting. Then he, uh, he did a lot of, say, master's level karting, which is typically for people my dad's age, but it's, it's very competitive in the States because that's, let's face it, that's where people have the, the biggest budget It's people in that age. So, you know, it's super competitive. Then uh, he did that. Then he went to uh, to Pro Formula Mazda, which is a USF Pro 2000, which you call it today. Then he did uh, something called Formula Car Challenge in the States. From the age of seven till ten, we, me and my sister, especially, we uh, just followed him around and yeah, went to races. Well, if that doesn't get your juices flowing and inspire you to go racing yourself, nothing will. Yeah, of course. That's also what's what sparked, I think, my uh, interest for uh, let's say for a more professional career instead of just karting. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, as it is for most kids, Formula One was the ultimate ambition. And so you took a fairly typical route from karting into single-seaters, but you looked beyond US shores to Denmark and Spain and also to the MRF Challenge. Why was that? Oh, I think, uh, yeah, when I moved back to Denmark, I did some karting there and then I yeah, came of age to say, okay, maybe I just started to move to, uh, to Formula Cars. I think when I was, yeah, when I was 14, I started started testing uh, Formula Cars in F4 in, in Denmark, and then, yeah, a little bit testing abroad. And then, uh, yeah, then I combined that with karting in 2017, where I just tested. And, yeah, then I went to Danish F4 in 2018, my first season in, uh, in a car, which was, uh, which was fun. Uh, the, the, the MRF, I did uh, just, yeah, it's a winter championship. It's a it's quite a quick car, actually. The MRF. It's not a lot of people know that, but it's, it's quite a, it's quite a quick car, actually. I think that's quite right. That not a lot of people are familiar with MRF. It's a bit of a step up from Formula Four, then. Oh yeah, I think it was not a shock. The car was probably around ten, yeah, maybe even fifteen seconds faster than the one I'd driven beforehand mm. uh, at fifteen, which I think was a for me, for me at least felt like a, like a big step. No, also because I think the tracks in Denmark are quite. You know, I won't say small, but there's not a lot of high-speed corners and stuff. When did sports cars enter the frame? That was after my, my last year in F4, Spanish F4. You know, the budgets for F3 are very high. 
And uh, if you want to, if you want to have a chance to win, which I also learned that year, that the team, the team you pick and go with has, plays a plays a massive role even in in a feeder series such as F4. The, the budgets for that were, yeah, very high. We contacted some GT teams, and uh, I was lucky enough to have a season with, yeah, I think you could say arguably the best team in the world. I think uh, WRT uh, in, in Audi. So uh, that's that's how that started, uh, just mainly because due to the fact that budgets for F3 were were let's say out of reach for us. The story for so many. Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, F3 is uh, almost like it's experienced inflation <laughs> the past years. It's very very expensive. But it must have been a pretty seamless transition because you're a Danish endurance champion and, as you touched on, have contested GT World Challenge Europe too. But was it a completely different style of racing to what you experienced in single-seaters? I think when I moved to GT, then yes, because GT is a lot more, you know, bang doors. And, you know, some GT guys have been driving, yeah, GT3 cars for, yeah, 10 years. A lot of experienced guys. Um, so when I did GT World Challenge, it was... Uh, I think that's the biggest culture shock in racing I've had is from single-seaters to there, because it's really tough GT World Challenge. And GT3 racing, especially now the modern ones, have quite a, I'd say they have a moderate amount of downforce. So, you know, there's a lot of corners where you, you come from a single-seater where you feel like, okay, you're on the limit now because the car is, yeah, it's moving and sliding, but, you know, you have to trust the downforce in a GT car with all that weight, which is uh, something you have to get used to. Depending where you are in the race, there's a lot of, a lot of cars around you. Then you also have... Like in EMS, there's bronze drivers, which you have to take into account for, which are not always the most, say, predictable guys to be around. Uh, it's, a, it's a part of it. This year in 2023, you have stepped across to Le Mans prototypes, which stand somewhere between single-seaters and GT cars. You'll be racing with RLRM Sport in the 2023 European Le Mans series, sharing a car with Jack Manchester and James Dason. What are your thoughts and expectations going into the new season? Oh, I mean, I've, I've done Asian Le Mans series, so I kind of have a have a feel for it. Be um, what I think. I mean, I, I think we should be should be competitive. We get get things going, which I have the utmost trust that we can. Um, the guys at RLR know what they do, know what they're doing. It's, it's a very good team. Yeah, expectations. I'm, I'm not sure. I think I think we should be competitive. I think we have have a good lineup, a good car. Uh, I haven't met James as of yet, but I think for Bronze, he, he's quite okay. Good stuff. Uh, he showed very good pace at uh, at Portimao with the Le Mans Cup uh, last year. So I have uh, yeah the utmost trust in both both my guys, both my teammates. So I think we win for a good season. I hope. You mentioned the Asian Le Mans series there. What did you learn and take away from that campaign? I mean, I learned a lot of stuff about about driving style. It's um, also especially how different teams set up the car. You know, the dynamic from uh, RLR and CD Sport is it's not it's not the same car to drive. Uh, it's uh, two different ways of, of achieving lap time, I would say. Is that similar to what you experienced in single seaters? I think yes. Well, I mean, my single seater career was mainly F4, and I think there's a bit of a baseline you stay close to, and then you can go and say away from that. Or I feel like as in, as in prototypes, it's at least in my experience, it's very different how the guys set up the car. Um, single seaters, yes, until it's the same, but it always feels a bit closer um, from team to team. So would you say your Asian Le Mans experience was good preparation for the ELMS then? Yes, fair. I think it's uh, probably the best uh, preparation you can do. It's the same car, a lot of the same people who drive uh, in the ELMS also, also compete there. So it's, yeah, I think it was 
me at least it was very good, very good practice. But of course, being in LMP3, you, you're lapping GT cars and being lapped by LMP2. How did you cope with the multi-class element of the racing? Yeah, for me, I think it, for me it's quite, it was quite okay. I come from GT World Challenge, where it's, where it's a bit more chaotic and if you want, everywhere everyone's in the same type of car. So for me, I felt it was quite a bit calmer than what I'm used to. Uh, the traffic with LMP2 is fine. Most of the guys, they, yeah, they, they get by you and they disappear, so it's not, not a big issue. The GTs were also fine. Uh, they were a bit quicker than they'll be in the UMS, yeah, as far as I know, because they were GT3 spec instead of the GTE. It's just that it's, uh, it's part of endurance racing, I guess. And looking ahead to the forthcoming season, the ELMS has unveiled a 42-car entry consisting of 12 LMP3s. Have you had a chance to look at the entry? And if so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I've, I've seen the, the list for your LMP3. It's, uh, it's an okay grid. A lot, of, a lot of quick guys from last year and, and some other people I know, so I think it's, uh, it'll be competitive. I think expect, yeah, I expect everyone to go quite well. So uh, let's, see how it, let's see how it goes for the first round. We've already touched on hopes and expectations, but with the Barcelona season opener still to come, can you realistically say what you'll be satisfied with come the end of the year? I think for me, it depends a lot on how we are as, as a package, as a team. I think and I hope it will be good. Um, but I mean, a lot of stuff can happen. I'm not sure what to expect, what I expect from the season. We'll do, we'll do our very best. And I think our very best is also good enough to be to be at the front. But yeah, I think uh, I'll wait to see for the first race, see where we are, get a, get a feel for everything. But I think right now it's too early. I mean, in testing, we've looked strong. It's too early to say I haven't been on track with, with everyone yet. So uh, I guess uh, it's a bit too early. Valdemar Eriksson, thank you very much. Here's to a successful maiden ELMS season. I'll no doubt touch base with you and your RLRM sport teammates over the course of the year.